Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to Bet the Edge on Monday, February 27th. Thanks, everyone, watching our NBC Sports YouTube channel. Coming up, it's the eve of the NFL Combine. We're going to discuss some players who could rise and fall in Indy with our very own Connor Rogers. We'll handicap markets for the number one overall pick. Which receiver will go first? Much more, including my little Bijan Robinson talk, because you know I love me some Bijan Drew. It's Monday morning. I'm Vaughn. That's Drew. What's going on, my man? How was your weekend? Great weekend just uh, from uh, kind of regrouping and uh, just, you know, relaxing state of mind. Um, bad weekend for betting. Um, <laughs> I'm ice freaking cold right now. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Some absolute no doubt this is the right handicap. Incredible market consensus. Doesn't have a chance. Uh, I, I do not know what is going on right now, but I uh, I lost and I lost and I lost this weekend. So uh, I need some combine props to open. <laughs> I need some information from our guest today uh, to help nail these markets so that I can get some back because uh did not love looking at the balances and doing the numbers this morning. Yeah, it was definitely somewhat rough day. I thought yesterday was going to be a big day for me. I was in the studio doing A-10 halftime, started off 2-0, and and then uh, I don't know if you caught any college basketball, but I had Penn State, who was up by 19, lost to Rutgers. I had Michigan, who was up by 15, ended up losing, going into overtime on a half-court three, then winning the game. Um, and a couple other games that just were literally haywire, bro. Like, I can't even – college basketball and NBA, I think, are the hardest things right now. And that's really all we have to bet on. So uh, definitely looking forward to getting some value talk with Connor <laughs> Rogers here today. Uh, Cause I, yeah, I need some futures and I see some value. I see some value. So let's bring our guy in. Uh, let's have some fun because he's going to be boots on the ground as they say in Indianapolis. And we were joking off camera about how great that city is, how easy it is to get around. So uh, what are you most looking forward to in Indianapolis, Connor? Just everybody being in one spot. This is where the NFL offseason, as much as on paper, it's not a new league year. It really starts here. You have conversations behind the scenes uh, about different draft prospects, about free agency, uh, about trades that can go down, the quarterback carousel. Obviously, when you look at the betting market, this is where it starts to get a little silly. One rumor can flip a guy upside down, as we've already seen with somebody like Anthony Richardson, who was wildly down the board just about a week or two ago and now he's in the mix as one of the top five guys in terms of being the first player taken which is a little insane but this is what makes it fun guys so i'm excited for this trip yeah it certainly should be entertaining for sure drew do you have any thoughts on anthony richardson because we talked about him quite a bit this year during college football and he's a guy that we did not trust 
54% completion percentage, almost, uh, he well, not even double the touchdowns, interceptions <laughs> through the air. So, uh, you yeah. know, I'm a little squeamish on Richardson, but he's climbing boards. Uh, any opinion on him? Yeah, uh, strong opinions, actually. And the NFL finds itself in a very uncomfortable place because the level of quarterback play that Patrick Mahomes is you know, is exercising right now is so high that if you don't have a guy that can go toe to toe with him, then you really don't have, you know, you don't have championship aspirations, which means you go into a draft process like this. And even somebody who would, you know, you would seemingly be like, well, this guy's, uh, he's got all the tools. He knows, you know, he understands the game like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. You still will talk yourself into the higher upside in a guy like Anthony Richardson because he fits more of the Josh Allen did this kind of came out of nowhere. He, he lacked the, uh, um, you know, lacked a lot of um, uh, ability accuracy. to accuracy over the uh, intermediate portion of the field, but he learned how to do that. And maybe our guy can learn how to do that. And then we'll have the next Josh Allen or we'll have the next Pat Mahomes. And so, you know, the, the fact that the top of the, um, you know, the quarterback, uh, you know, performance has been so high has led teams to thinking that, in, if we want to be there, we have to take some risks. We have to go for the uh, the guy that has more upside as opposed to the guy that's put together tape that says he knows how to perform, you know, knows how to do the job. Um, and uh, so it's it's fascinating that teams are kind of in this spot where they have to make some very risky decisions um, because, you know, in, in a vacuum, the way that the NFL is being defended right now with the too high cover is sort of the common defense. You're really going to go out and go after a guy that can't complete the only passes that are going to be available to him at the pro level. Like it sounds crazy that that is exactly that, you know, that's the path you're going to go down. Um, but if you think that you need to be, you know, you need a guy that can take, take the top off the defense and, you know, he's the only guy that can do that. Then, um, you know, that's what's led us to the situation where teams are talking themselves into, you know, a long shot like Richardson. Now, I think ultimately, does he probably go in the six to ten range? Yes, I think Lions. I think uh, uh, you know Raiders. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Panthers at nine. Like that's probably where he ultimately lands. But um, I don't think that the steam on him is you know is wrong. Like teams are going to be like, this is the only guy in this class with the ceiling that's as high as a Josh Allen. And if you don't have a guy with that level of a ceiling, then why are we bothering you know using our top five you know draft equity on this? Um, Connor, as you look at the kind of top four prospects, uh, do you think that there is a chance that, uh, you know, one of these three guys ahead of Richardson uh, distinguishes themselves this week? We're going to see CJ Stroud throw. We're going to see Lovis throw. Bryce Young is going to be there to interview, but not uh, not uh, work out based on the shoulder injury he's still recovering from. Uh, what uh, would be your general expectation of opinion coming out of this uh, process for these top four dudes? It's a big stage for both Stroud and Levis. Now, Stroud has played at a high level in some big games going back to that loss against Georgia. But when you look at Levis, he's somebody that fits the mold that Richardson does of a toolsy guy, right? He's big. He can move a little bit. He can make all the throws. But the inconsistencies on tape uh, just leave you puzzled at times, especially for a player that with Levis, he's going to enter training camp as a 24-year-old, where Richardson is going to enter training camp as a freshly turned about 22 year old there is a big difference there when you're talking about a two-year gap for developmental players not players that are a finished product you could talk yourself into a little bit more of a guy just not being fully tapped into at the end of the day guys it might not be anything to do with the drills but Bryce Young's measurement being the biggest moment of the combine for the number one overall pick I I don't believe Bryce Young is going to reach that six feet tall plateau 
And I also don't know if it will ultimately matter. I think he's a guy that'll hover right around 5'11", 5'10", and three quarters. The bigger thing is for him, can he get to 200 pounds? Because there's just not a lot of guys that have been, there's no one really that's been drafted in this position, more importantly, that's under 200 pounds. Let's not forget, Kyler Murray, who moved better than Bryce Young, was about 206 when he came into this event. Bryce Young, I had heard it was playing well under 200 pounds throughout his college career. So can he get to that marker, put on some weight, be able to take a hit? Because his tape and just processing and IQ is really miles ahead, in my opinion, than the rest of this class. And where I look at that board right there, and this is a market that usually you can only capitalize on in November, maybe December. It's where you can get some plus money and kind of see in a pattern form. But minus 150 is not still not bad for Bryce Young, who I think ultimately when the Bears do move that number one pick, which Adam Schefter has heavily hinted at already this week, that somebody would be coming up to get Bryce Young simply because he's the best quarterback, he's the most pro-ready, and he has the ceiling that he's pretty close, not far from, of being a top-12 guy in this league. Yeah, I like the comparison there with him and Kyler Murray because a lot of people have been saying that with the size. So if you get the chance to interview Bryce Young, we need to know if he watches film and if he plays Call of Duty so we can distinguish the differences right there between the two. But uh, as a Steelers fan, uh, Drew knows that I've been harping that I did not want Kenny Pickett in the first place. I wanted Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Felt like those two guys were franchise guys you can go forward with. I don't feel like Levis or Richardson are those two. But I do want to ask you, because we haven't mentioned the names on the list besides the quarterbacks, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, and we're seeing rumors that the Bears are leaning towards trading the number one overall pick. They have their franchise quarterback, so they can probably trade back and get one of these guys, maybe even uh, throw in Tyree in there. Uh, the Tyree Wilson linebacker from Texas Tech as well. Um, do you have an opinion on these defensive guys going number one overall? Do you think it's a trade back situation? So maybe they're a top five or top 10 bet is better on them. I think it's a trade back situation when you line up that the Bears opportunities don't really conflict with who they, you know, have as a division rival, right? If it might even come down to a Houston flip, that's a very low cost in terms of trading up to number one overall. And then the Bears go back to two and they still get who I think would be Jalen Carter, who's the best player in this draft. That's not a quarterback, right? When you look at what he can do, he's an interior game record that there's just not a lot of guys like that in this league. You could usually count them on one hand, whether it's, you know, obviously Aaron Donald's a long time runner there. Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, Quinton Williams, Dexter Lawrence. Those are the five interior defensive linemen in my mind that take over a game. A lot of people project Jalen Carter the same way, which is why if this market opened, he should be the first non quarterback off the board. As long as he interviews well, out there in Indy, he will be fine. He's not somebody that needs to even go through the workouts. He's done it all on the field as well. So it's a Jalen Carter show right there. And then when you look at Chicago, it's just a matter of how far back do they move. I don't think they would want to get beyond four, which would be a swap with the Colts, because they need to be in position to get one of Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, or like you said, the long shot, who's about to have a massive, massive week in Tyree Wilson. Ooh, interesting. Um if I'm the Bears, I'm trading back everything. You know, give uh, trade trade fields, trade the pick, get yes. as many assets as you can. You're so 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 far away from competing from a talent standpoint. One player, best defensive player in this draft, even if you get your choice of them, isn't going to change that. 
quarterback on the other hand could change the fates of a lot of these terrible teams at the top of the board uh is and honestly it's probably this this will all work itself out quarterback is so valuable the way that the rookie scale you know pay scale works out you know we're probably going to ultimately see these teams reshuffle uh and one two three will be quarterback 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 in some order to some teams um the uh the hard part about handicapping the draft and you know from a bet from a betting standpoint is we don't even really know what order these teams pick you know, and, and really, uh, you know, who, who goes where. Is there sort of a way to handicap, like, fit and system with what you know about the incoming coaches and the quarterback skill sets so far across these teams that are expected to be in the top, you know, at least in contention of trading into the top three? To a degree, right? I think when you look at Carolina, they are just a dream landing spot for C.J. Stroud's skill set. Mm-hmm. You look at the staff they've built. Whether it's for, like if it came out for a market to team, that's just a dream pairing. You have Frank Reich there. He's built a really, really strong staff. That ownership group, which has so much money in Tepper, they've swung and missed on the veteran route now where I think they are invested in the draft. Maybe they go out and get a veteran to hold the fort to protect themselves going into the draft. But I, I don't see them as a player unless Lamar Jackson truly became available uh, to go run that back again. Uh, they look at uh, they look like a team for me where they've been building this offensive line now for a couple of years. They still have some talent at wide receiver. They have opportunity to add more talent at the skill positions. And Stroud plays in structure. He plays in the pocket. He can go through the entire field. He can reset the pocket. He's not a guy that's trying to constantly bail out of the pocket and make throws on the move that way. But how can he bounce around, twitched up, and reset the pocket to make those throws at all three levels of the field. So I love Stroud and Carolina. I think Atlanta, I kind of wonder, are they a team once again, if you put all the Lamar Jackson stuff aside, because if he was on the market, that division makes a lot of sense, the NFC South. Then you look at maybe that's the Will Levis landing spot, right? They have Desmond Ritter there, who maybe they think can go into the season as the starter. But you look at his big frame with Levis, the ability to run, the ability to make all the throws. Arthur Smith might be interested in that. I always, guys, I always try to look at the teams that, Hey, it, it might be, you know, the, the sand might empty out of the hourglass, right? Or you're fired if you don't get this right. Atlanta has to take a quarterback at some point. We know that. The Colts with Chris Ballard, they have to take a quarterback at some point. How many years do you get before you just sit that out and go, well, we keep trying different things and they're not working? You have to swing big at some point. So it seems like a lock to me. The Colts need to come out of this with a quarterback. Atlanta's more 50-50. I think Carolina needs to come out of this with a quarterback. So that's how I would size it up when you look at the teams trying to trade up and navigate their way around Houston at number two overall. I like that a lot. Before we move on to the wideouts, I want to ask you, of the teams that could also be trading up that are outside the top ten, speaking of the Titans, throw the Jets in there, Packers, Bucks. Um, of course, you got the Raiders at seven just inside the top ten. Do any of those teams interest you in trade-up opportunities for a quarterback? Potentially, it's just a matter of how far back are teams willing to go. Now, I agree with you, Drew. If I was a team that had just nothing, right, I need to set a baseline, I would accumulate as many assets as possible. But I just don't know if they're willing to do that, if they're willing to sell that to the fan base. It's the biggest question that you always have to ask yourself. Instead, they can go star chasing and try to fill some seats. Let's not forget, these GMs have to sell these plans to ownership, which really gets in the way of team building so often. So, Are the Jets too far back? Will Tennessee put Ryan Tannehill on the trade block? That's a big question going into Combine. They have a new GM with Rand Carthon there. Is he going to go in there and say, hey, Tannehill's on an expiring deal. 
He might not want to be a part of this retooling as he's a guy that's 35 years old. His cap hit would be manageable for a team. I believe it would sit under, it sits well under $30 million. So if they move on from Tannehill, yeah, Tennessee should look to move up. We've already seen them cut a ton of veterans, some on the offensive line where they're in a retooling phase. So I would put Tennessee in that conversation. Absolutely. I think the Jets are all in on the veteran market. They're waiting for Aaron Rodgers, dangerous game to play. Uh, we're feeling out the Derek Carr situation. I don't think they look at their roster and go, we can go through rookie growing pains again. We're just, we're ready to win now. We have the longest playoff drought in the entire NFL by a wide margin. We need to end that. That plays into it as well. Washington is a total wild card. I am fascinated by them. Are they a team that mm -hmm. they go in on the veteran market or are they a team that would package everything to come up and get, you know, whoever falls out of that top five. So Washington is definitely more of a variable. I just don't know how far back these teams ultimately want to go in a draft that, to be honest with you, truly lacks blue chip talent after the first couple of guys. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I definitely think the Titans are a team worth watching. Uh, you know, they gave up on, on Malik Willis kind of playing my guy Josh Jobs over him into the season. Um, but you kind of gave me something to think about there. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill might be the future Jets quarterback as they wait for Aaron Rodgers. They end up with Ryan Tannehill, which would uh, be the most New Not York crazy. Jets thing ever. Yes, uh, very. Before we talk wide receivers, guys, spring training is upon us. Don't know if you know that, but it's draft season here. Get the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide today and get all player profiles, rankings, and projections you need to hit your draft out of the park. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide to get your draft guide now. And you will see yours truly in there as well, giving some betting advice. Like uh, take the Rockies when they're home team, fade them when they're on the road. Fade the Pirates on Fridays, the worst Friday team in all of history. Those guys like to party or something. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move.
New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. Uh, but Connor, no partying for you this weekend unless you go to Permani Bros like I told you to. Then you got to let loose a little bit. But there's a couple receivers in this market that really intrigue me. I was shocked to see Kayshawn Butte be the basically 30 to 1 uh, receiver to be drafted first overall because I love the talent of him, but I understand there's a lot to come with him at LSU. But you got Quinn Johnson, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Jalen Hyatt's another guy. Who do you like the most out of this group? Because outside of Quentin Johnson, who's probably the prototypical measurable at 6'4", 215, everyone else is a very similar size with a couple different variables and what makes them so great. If I'm searching for value, I'm looking at Jalen Hyatt because there's just a trend with speed that essentially if you want to be early on the wide receiver market every year, go with the burner. That's where you're going to make some money each year, or at least you have a chance to make some money each year. And Listen, there's a reason Quentin Johnson's the favorite, and even if it's still plus money right now, he's 6'4". Like you said, he's going to hover around 215. He's probably going to run sub 4'5 at that size, which is impressive. I heard that vertical is going to go over 40 inches. He's a big-time tester. Nothing in Quentin Johnson's profile scares you off. If anything, it convinces you that he could be a number one wide receiver, which is a giant Mm -hmm. problem everybody's looking at in this class right now, is finding a guy that could not be a fringe two or a number three, but a true X wide receiver on the outside that could dominate man coverage. But he's not a natural catcher of the football right now. And that's going to be really big for him in the drills going through this. It's just looking more natural. Um, So Quentin Johnson, he's the well-earned favorite. Jordan Addison, there is some value there. The biggest thing with him is his weight. He's a guy that's played in the 170s. A lot of people are going to look to Devontae Smith as a comparison for him because of that weight, the ball skills, the ability to win really in the intermediate and the deep levels of the field. I think he'll actually run better than people expect. Jackson Smith and Jigba. I like him as the best wide receiver in this class. I don't like him as a bet to be the number one wide receiver taken in this draft. A lot of teams view him as a slot-only possession kind of guy. I think he has a great, great floor that I would bet on with a mid to late first-round pick, but I don't think a team taking wide receiver very early will swing like that. Back to Jalen Hyatt. He could run the fastest 40 out of the wide receivers. It's either him or Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. He has dominated in the SEC of the likes against Alabama, We've seen him go up against a talent like Cam Smith, who's a top five corner in this draft, and he played very well against Cam Smith, who trailed him in that game. 
Hyatt's speed, the reason, guys, teams value the speed outside of what it could do for your vertical game, it also takes some defenders out of the box and allows you to run the football. So the attention that Hyatt can command, he, he looks like a Will Fuller clone to me, really, when you watch Hyatt play. I think there's a chance, even at those crazy odds, that by the end of the week, some teams are looking at it and going, hey, we would consider him as the first wide receiver off the board. Oof, great breakdown. Uh, I learned a lot about the wide receivers just in that little snippet there. So well done. Um, and I guess if you stand back and you think, okay, we've had a number of just all time wide receiver classes, bang, bang, bang. Like every draft feels like there's just chock full of them and you're getting like enormously, you know, high value guys at the top of the second round. This doesn't really feel like that sort of a class, right? This is more of a cornerback centric class and the wide receivers are sort of like, well, yeah, I'm mean, 16 to 32. Maybe all of these guys kind of fall in that range. Is that sort of your read? Once we start to see over-unders, are you kind of more looking like, yeah, these guys are all going to kind of slide farther than people realize? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. This is more of a, uh, let's say, pick 20 to 70. A ton are going to go, but you don't project any of them besides okay. Johnston as a guy with that number one kind of potential. There's no Jamar Chase, no Jalen Waddell. I think Addison can be comparable to Devontae Smith if he hits his ceiling. I look at last year's class, guys. I think my top five would be ahead of this entire class when you're looking Whoa. at you know, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Alave, even Traylon Burks with the physical profile he had. He just needed to stay healthy this year. That was his biggest problem. So when it comes down to it, yeah, it's just it's more of a floor class. And when you look at that, teams go, well, I can get floor in round two or three. Jackson Smith and Jigba comes to mind. I'll wait on that guy. I can't get the Quentin Johnston, the 6'4", 215 guy that could jump out of the gym. I can't get the Jalen Hyatt who is more of a, a longer, skinnier kind of guy that's going to go, I think, at least 4-3, and it's a polished 4-3 in his game. Is he the most polished wide receiver? No, but it's polished speed in terms of he knows how to win down the field consistently. So, yeah, that's I'm, I, that's where I'm at right now because hmm. so many teams will wait till day two when they look at Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, a small wide receiver class, but they still think they can get better value outside of round one. Sense. I like I like that breakdown a lot. I think it kind of this draft class kind of reminds me of the 2020 receiver class with Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rieger, and then of course Justin Jefferson, uh, the best one going fifth. And uh, maybe if Jackson Smith and Jigba is that guy, he could be like that for you in this class. I feel like uh, that's kind of what this this talk reminded me of a little bit here. Um, but in that 20 range, maybe mid teens, uh, we could see the best running back. And college football come off the board. Bijan Robinson. Um, he was rated Pro Football Focus's number four best player of last season. Guy had 41 total touchdowns in three years. I mean, does it get any better than that? Where do you think he falls? And let me plug this in your mind, Connor. Do the Eagles take him at 10 and say, we just pass on Miles Sanders and we get the cheap option of drafting Bijan Robinson? Or do we bring Miles Sanders back and pass on him? So this is a tricky one, and I'll tell you why. I also think the Eagles really like Kenny Gainwell a lot, where they're not afraid, in my opinion, of letting Miles walk if there's bigger money for him out there, unless he would come back on a more team-friendly kind of extension. Then you got Miles, you got Gainwell, you feel good about that. But if they let Miles walk, they go in with Gainwell as more of their number two back or 1B kind of guy. We know this team loves the trade, and they're really good at it in the draft. Maybe you can move out of 10. Let's not forget, that's a sweet spot for the end of the quarterback class. I think Bryce Young is gone. I think Stroud is gone. 
one of Levis or Richardson should still be there. Are you the pivot point for somebody to come in and end the quarterback run? You move back, and then you're more comfortable with – it also salary slots come into mind when you look mm-hmm. at these draft picks. Maybe mm-hmm. you're more comfortable with drafting a running back in the first round at a salary slot. That's maybe 16 or 18. When you look at Washington, you look at Detroit. We don't know what Tampa's going to do. Where's Tampa's mindset at? So, yes, the Eagles absolutely should be in play for Bijan. I'm not convinced it's at 10. I look at New England at 14, and I've gotten a lot of pushback on this theory because nobody believes they would take a running back there. This is a team that needs more explosive players on offense, desperately. It's not a good free agency wide receiver class. The best one, it was on their team last year in Jacoby Myers. They might lose him in free agency. They need to get more explosive on offense. Bijan's the best running back prospect I've seen since Saquon, and he might be a little bit more mm-hmm. complete than Saquon because he's a little bit more polished of a runner with his vision. I think he could play in the slot. When I look at Bijan Robinson, I think of those two years Todd Gurley had where he was at his peak under Sean McVay. I think he had over 4,000 yards combined that you could do anything with him. You can kick him out to the slot. You can play him in the backfield on all three downs. He's a great pass catcher. He could pass protect. He's an explosive runner inside and a tough enough runner uh, on the outside and inside as well. So I think there's going to be a premium placed on this guy that a lot of people aren't ready for. I look at the Eagles, the Patriots. I think the dream fit is the Bills. I think they're too far out of the way, and I know they're all over the offensive line of this draft as well. So maybe we get a surprise trade-up somewhere for Bijan, but it almost feels like as far as he can go would be a Tampa at 19. Wow, that's fascinating. And I mean, yeah, he's also hurt because this is going to be a very rich uh, running back class from a free agency standpoint. And yes, he may be better than every other free agent running back that's out there besides maybe Sa- you know, Saquon Barkley was maybe the only exception, although those two guys, you know, very, very similar, and one's a lot younger, so I'd probably lean Bijan. Um, but, uh, you know, re- realistically, it's it's wild that, uh, you know, he his stock slides and all, you know, just because there happened to be a uh, hundred other running backs in the market. Um, I'm glad uh, you kind of went running back for the Patriots instead of wide receiver. Although I am curious which Patriots wide receiver they target so we can know which guy certainly will not make it um, just based on the history of the Patriots drafting wide mm-hmm. receivers. Um, but, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson uh, and, and uh, you, know, you know, what he does at the combine is going to be fascinating. Interested to see who's talking to him. Uh, that'll be, uh, you know, kind of indicative. And I guess as you look at the running back, you know, free agency class broadly, uh, do you think my characterization is fair uh, that this is going to be a kind of a rich year for uh, signing free agent running backs? It really is. It's a matter of who gets tagged and is just stuck dealing with it, right? Because if you go the franchise tag route, the player's technically underpaid on that one-year deal. We know the situation with the Giants. The Giants feel if they can get a deal done with Daniel Jones and there's urgency to get one done, They can just tag Saquon. If they don't get that deal done with Daniel Jones, they have to tag him. And then what happens to Saquon? I think Saquon gets decent, very, very lucrative offers elsewhere. Josh Jacobs feels like he's primed for the franchise tag, of course. Um, But this is a really good free agent running back class. But I wonder how these go hand in hand because this is a deep running back class in the draft. So when you look at the free agency class, does that keep the contracts a little bit more down when teams know, sure, Bijan's in round one. But Jameer Gibbs is on day two of this draft. He's kind of somewhere in between the two Cook brothers in my mind, Dalvin and James, a very similar player in that mold. Zach Charbonnet from UCLA transferred from Michigan. Big running back, physical. He's got downhill speed. He's a tough player. He's another day two guy. This is a deep running back class that 
ultimately, once teams get through that part of the scouting process, I do think it hurts the free agent market of backs expecting a big-time payday beyond those two-year contracts. Yeah, definitely something worth thinking about with when the money comes into play. I like the breakdown with Bijan to the Patriots, although as an AFC and a Steelers guy, like I don't want that to happen. Bill Belichick should not be allowed to have someone of that level of potential. Bijan Robinson, 104 missed tackles last season, breaking David Montgomery's record. Um, pretty insane stuff from him. Before we talk about your favorite risers and plummeters this weekend, make sure you guys go ahead and download that Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoring players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more right to your phone. It's available in your app store today, the Roto World app. So, as previously mentioned, I want to talk about a couple guys that you circled that you want to see in person and grade them that you think they could rise or they could plummet. You already mentioned a couple here, but uh, let's, let's, let's get deeper. Let's dig a little deeper, Connor. Yeah, you go back to the wide receiver class. I briefly dropped his name. Tyler Scott from Cincinnati is going to be on everybody's radar because this guy has been reportedly timed at 429. I don't know if he gets there on the combine track. It's a very unpredictable environment in terms of how things are timed out there. But he's somebody that should go sub 4-4 in his sleep very easily. This guy flies. He's going to be a round two uh, pick by the end of Indy, honestly. And I haven't really seen a lot of people talking about him there. Devon A. Chain is going to fly. A former Dallas track star. He goes to AM. He shows off that speed. It goes back to our running back conversation of this being deep at running back everywhere you need it, whether it's free agency, the draft. A. Chain's somebody that he could be the fastest player in Indy, and that's going to put him on the scene in terms. And he's a good inside runner as well for a smaller kind of player. So I think that's going to help when people reevaluate that tape and look for home run hitters. So that's how it goes with the combine. Speed kills. It just does every single year. The guys that can run are going to get that kind of love. Um, and then you go back once again to the defensive side of the ball, and you look at this linebacker class. It's very incomplete in terms of how raw a lot of these guys are, but they're just freakish athletes. Trenton Simpson from Clemson, he could be a linebacker that goes in the four threes. That's just absolutely insane. It's utterly ridiculous when you have a linebacker playing at that when he's playing around 235 pounds. And Owen Papo from Auburn as well. I mean, he has the nickname The Freak for a reason. He's another linebacker that played more under 230 pounds, but he can run in the four threes and four fours. So I think some unexpected players are going to light up the track and then be completely on the radar. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, any chance that, uh, I, I guess if you had to in the blind, what positional group uh, puts up the fastest 40 time? Ooh, that's a good one. I think it'll be down to three going back to Scott and Hyatt at wide receiver, a chain okay. at running back. And here's the sleeper here at corner. The 40-yard dash will, could belong to uh, Trey Hodges Tomlinson from TCU. He's not even five foot eight. He's a slot corner. He, his vertical is going to go over 40. Um, his 40-yard dash is going to go under 4-3. I think he's a smaller guy, and he, he's an elite athlete, a, elite athlete at that size. The corner group is going to put on a show. You have Keely Ringo is going to go in the 4-3s. Christian Gonzalez is going to go in the 4-3s. Both should jump really, really well. Riley Moss, Clark Phillips. I mean, this is a – excellent corner class we're gonna have 10 corners go in maybe in the top 60 picks that's how deep this group is and they're gonna prove that in Indy as well hey can't forget about joey porter jr as well the uh well, oh. maybe the best cornerback in that class he's gonna be a stud my guy <laughs> he'll have uh, the longest the arms drive. we've ever seen i think for a corner prospect yeah, wow he's 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 awesome what's he six he's six two i think right something six like two that. he's he's got arms down to the ground the bloodlines he's gonna be a top 20 pick 
Uh, yeah, love to see that. Hopefully he flies off the boards. I think he could be a big-time corner. Um, just before you get out of here, we want to touch on a couple of Super Bowl contenders, uh, teams that may be able to make a difference here in the draft and add to what they already got going on. I don't know if you have an opinion on any teams in particular, uh, but definitely drop some players that uh, could be going later in the draft. Well, I mean, it goes back to our conversation, right? If Philadelphia gets B. John Robinson, I don't know how you defend this offense, to be honest with you. The offensive line is great. They have a quarterback that's a dual threat and keeps improving as a passer. They have a number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown. They have a 1B wide receiver in Devontae Smith. They have a top five tight end in Dallas Goddard. So as everybody sits here and go, and I don't even think that's terrible value for the Eagles at plus 800 there. I think that number is going to creep up after the draft. Maybe it goes to plus 600. The Bills are interesting to me. Their hype got out of control last summer. It went too far. But the Bills also do have an internal realization that they need to get tougher on the offensive line. And they are really going to commit to that this offseason through the draft. I don't know what they'll be able to do in free agency as Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs' cap numbers skyrocket. I don't know how much ability they'll have to maneuver when you factor in their own free agents. Uh, we know the Cowboys hype there. You know, you kind of laugh seeing that on the board. They have a need for wide receiver. The Bengals, once again, they still have their first-round pick. They could look at how talented this tight end class is, and then you kind of look at the Bengals in the same way you look at all these terrifying offenses where, oh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, we have some balance in the backfield. Now we're going to get one of these free show tight ends that runs a sub-4-5 and can block. How do we defend this team that always seems to be well-coached up on defense? So I think the Bengals and the Eagles do really, really well here, and those Super Bowl odds go up for the, each of them. I love that. There's a couple of tight ends that would be uh, interesting to see go. Um, it's the guy from Notre Dame. Could you Michael Mayer. Me yep. Michael Mayer. Yes. Thank you. I was about to say that wherever he goes, if he ends up on a team like Cincinnati with a quarterback that can get him the ball in the red zone. Um, I mean, the sky is the limit for a player like Michael Mayer. So I definitely love that. Connor drop what you're going to be doing, uh, whether on Twitter, obviously you'll be at the combine, but uh, anything to look forward to on Twitter and any shows you'll be doing. Yeah, I'm at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. I post everything from there. Um, we'll be doing some stuff, of course, on the NBC Sports setup as well. Really excited for that. We'll be all over the Combine and the PFF Stock Exchange. We'll keep you updated with the Combine as well. So it's really fun talking to you guys. I appreciate having me on. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. It was great analysis today. Have fun in Indianapolis. Stay warm. Hopefully the weather's good down there. And uh, enjoy your time. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And uh, shout out to Kellen in the chat because we see you. We are going to talk NBA briefly. We're <laughs> going to give out some bets today. Uh, that's what Drew and I do every time. Uh, Drew, I'll let you go first. Do you have anything uh, that you have targeted? Yeah, you want today? some white hot fades from a guy who can't find a winner to save his life hey, in the NBA? That's... I got you covered, baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, I Look, man, this, this team on the Knicks... Get, get, get out of here. This is absolutely outrageous. <laughs> There's no way that Boston should be minus two in New York. I, I, don't, I don't care uh, that Jalen Brown is not playing. I don't care that the Celtics uh, have been playing teams a lot closer lately. This is a ridiculous price. It should be four. Uh, so Boston minus two, best bet on the board for me. Uh, I like that. And I had a, I had an, I knew you were going to be on Boston today. I don't know why I knew it, <laughs> but I'm on Tatum over okay. 44 and a half points, rebounds, assists. A uh, number that he's hit seven out of ten times without Jalen Brown this year. Did you year. see the end of that Celtics-Sixers game on Saturday? Yeah, uh, Joel Embiid. I mean, if he looked like he cared a little bit more, a little bit quicker. <laughs> that game-tying <laughs> shot off, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I was actually supposed to go to the – the Sixers have been playing some really crazy games. That Grizzlies game, too. That was uh, unbelievable, that too. Yeah. I was supposed to be at that game, and I ended up not going. I regretted that one. But 
Yeah, I think without Jalen Brown, the Celtics rallied today. Uh, yeah, I think Jason exactly. Tatum steps up. He had a he had a terrible performance against the Sixers, 18 points on seven of 17 shooting, three of eight from three, and only two free throw attempts. Mm. Um, it's definitely going to change. So, yeah, I like that. I like both of our plays in the Celtics game. And uh, college basketball, I've turned around. I've been on VEASAN a lot. I've been getting hot on VEASAN, uh, doing the A-10 halftime show. So I do nice. have two plays today. Um, sadly, I got Iowa State at minus three and a half. Uh, that's out to five and a half already, Drew. Uh, but, you know, closing line value means nothing uh, in basketball lately. So we'll hopefully <laughs> that hangs on there. But I'm also on the Baylor Bears money line at Oklahoma State. Okay. Baylor's won seven straight times at Stillwater. Yeah. Um, and they're just the better team. Oklahoma State's best defenders out. They've allowed 86 points per game in their last four games without them. 0-4 in that stretch. Iowa State wins because West Virginia's terrible on the road. Road and Iowa State needs a win. So. Yeah. Anything else, Drew, you want to drop? Or no, that sounds good. You, you can't spell Big 12 without V-Money Sports. So that's uh, that's that, that's, that, right. that, that's great. Two picks in the Big 12 today. I like it. One road team, one home team. We'll see what happens. You know I love my home teams, but that Baylor Bears money line purse is minus 110 when I got it. It's out to minus nice. 125 now on points bet. So definitely money coming in. And same with the Iowa State line. So it looks like I'm on the positive side of two bets today. We'll see what happens. Does not mean we'll win, but I hope everybody does win today. And we appreciate you guys hanging with us always. Drew's back tomorrow. Mr. Brad Thomas will be here. Probably guys will probably be covering golf, soccer, tennis, basketball, all that good stuff. So make sure you guys tune in. And don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more helpful info to help you out with your wagers. Thanks for watching live. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us if you're listening to podcast form. As always, best of luck with your bets. Till next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.